0: For thine is the kingdom
1: and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Welcome to the podcast. In and through Exist to equip the church to be hearers and doers of the word. My name is Tim. And my name is Marshall. You ready for this, Marshall?
2: I think so. It helps that it's something we've talked about in the past.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's not unfamiliar territory. First, first things first. I had someone come up to me last night and say, "Not judging or anything, but you, you guys are two weeks behind, right?" I know. And I was like, "Judge, it's okay." Yeah, Judge. it's okay.
2: Yeah, yeah. We'll we'll receive that rebuke. Yeah, it's there. I don't want to. I don't want to be the excuse guy. Go there, for it. There are there are reasons. Some of those reasons are legitimate. Some of those reasons are just. Dropping the ball, i mean, yeah. I'll, I'll own that. It's- yeah, it,
1: it's been a it's been a crazy busy season for both of us. We we yep. have these have had these in the past, but usually it's been sort of like, um, you had a big thing lay out, mm-hmm. but I didn't, and so I could pick up a little slack, and we could right. we could just sort of adjust to that way, or or vice versa. Mm-hmm. Um, but man, it's just kind of hit us just last <laughs> month. I know, man. This last month has just <laughs> been wild for both of us. I know. And on top of that, like illnesses. Oh yeah. Like yeah. The, those people listening in Stratford are going to understand this. If you're listening outside of Stratford, Ontario, thanks for being here. Uh, but like everyone in in Stratford has just been sick. I know. With either a stomach thing or a flu thing or a COVID thing, and yeah, and it's just been everything's just been piled on top of it. It's itself. like
2: every every Sunday we're just like just like coming towards it, just acknowledging that people are going to be down, mm-hmm. right? And being like who who's getting plugged in? Like who needs right. to step up and do the thing? It's actually quite like my Minnesota Vikings season. Any of you who follow the NFL will know what I'm talking about. Yeah. But it's like who's the next guy up for like whatever because mm-hmm. somebody's Dream. going somebody's going down and probably more than one. So yeah. anyways, but and, here we are. And we, I'm out
1: this week. So yep. you guys are we'll figure it out. Gonna figure it out. Ryan's preaching. Gonna go see Toby Mac. Toby Mac. Taking the kids their first concert. Oh, that'll be fun. Which yeah. is way too much concert for a first concert. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a lot. It's gonna be there's gonna be like lots of lights. Everything lots of after everything. this is just
1: gonna feel like <laughs> coffee shop. But oh, that's they're great. excited, especially Caleb. Yeah, I bet he is. Yeah, that'll be
2: fun. Where's the concert? Buffalo, Buffalo. Yeah, nice. You're staying the on the American the side. <laughs> the home of the Sabers. you <laughs> Not the Bills. <laughs>
1: well, that's it's in their stadium, right? Their oh, arena.
2: oh, that's where. Okay, that's what you meant. Okay, yeah.
1: An yeah. arena show for their first concert. I mean, that's on. pretty
2: cool. That's, are you
1: staying on the American side? No, no, we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna stay on the Canadian side. Oh, okay. That's yeah. too bad. It's just a logistic thing.
0: That's fair. Yeah. Okay.
1: Because we're driving up there morning of. Oh, I see
0: what you're saying. Yeah. So we
1: can stop, take a little rest, go to the show, mm-hmm. kind of start our way back. Right, right. Go to bed for the night and get up and a shorter drive home on Sunday.
2: Nice. Yeah. See, I'm, I have this thing where like if I'm crossing the border, I have to stay a night mm-hmm. because I'm going to go to like an American mall and like get some cheap stuff. Like you have to. Like everything is even with the exchange, everything is half the price as soon as you cross that border. So it's like, you gotta like, you gotta hit up the Nike store. Yeah. like you just have to you got to hit up like the all the outlet malls like you got to do anyway that's that's for me and Candace. Anyway. Any
1: anyone listening to this from the United States has got to be like
2: they're like what what do you mean it's cheap it's like yeah come to Canada and shop like I love hearing Americans <laughs> complain about gas prices oh yeah <laughs> that's the biggest joke and you know what the wild thing is is like so we're we're a lot more expensive than the states cuz of all the our additional taxes but then go to Europe and you mm-hmm. double double the price yeah it's like it's Europeans crazy. spend twice as much for for gas. Now, their gas is better. My my brother in law, my Irish brother in law, always like leans into this because like their regular is like our supreme. Like whatever helps you sleep. They at night, start at like ninety one octane. Like that's their basic yeah. gas when you go to the UK. But uh, anyways, yeah.
1: Whatever helps you sleep. I don't know how much difference it actually makes. But does anyone even buy the higher grades of gas? I know I I often I often when you go in there, like select the I'm like, who is pushing that button?
0: Mm -hmm. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: I remember when we bought we bought a Jetta, Candace and I, it was our first car after we got married because we had no vehicle for the first little while. And the lady who'd owned it before had like really babied it and taken care of it. She's like, I put mid grade in it only. And so we're like, oh, put that us putting the mid grade in instead of the regular lasted like three weeks. And we're like, yeah, forget that. <laughs> It'll be fine.
1: It'll be fine. And you know what the truth is it will be. Yeah. yeah. All right, so this episode is all about fuel prices. <laughs> Thanks no. for listening. Yeah,
2: yeah. No, this is about, we're, we're going to talk about Mormonism. So we've been talking about, um, we've been introducing kind of different faiths, you know, the historical background, what they believe, how we can interact with them. Um, and we're talking about Mormonism because Mormons have a presence in this city and, and kind of all over now, and uh, and we would view them as a different religion.
1: Oh, 100%. Like
2: they This might, isn't even close. Yeah, they might call themselves the Church of Jesus Christ Latter-day Saints— Uh, they are not part of the Church.
1: No, it's a common—in the same way that we talked about Baha'i religion as being a commandeering of another Mm -hmm. uh, person's—of every person's faith history. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Um, (laughs) Yeah, that's interesting. Mormonism Mormonism does that, uh, one, because it is— it begins in the United States, right. and in order to gain any legitimacy, they had to have a Judeo-Christian history right, to Christian. build from. Mm-hmm. Um, and secondly, it gave them a head start mm-hmm. in in sort of claims of authority. Right. Right. So that that's the only reason. As we'll talk about this more next week, but as they progress through time, mm-hmm. it becomes less and less connected to the Bible. Yeah. The theology grows stranger, yeah, and more sure. disconnected as yeah. it goes.
2: Yeah, it's definitely a big. There's already a a pretty sizable gap even with its beginnings. But you're right; it does mm-hmm. get it does get even weirder. But I would say even in its even in its initial phase, was still un unchristian. Christian. Uh, be, well, because of some things we're gonna get into. But yeah, so like I d- I think it's just worth reminding people that when we speak of Mormons. And the differences there. We're not speaking of the differences we have with Pentecostals or Presbyterians mm-hmm. or even like the Eastern Orthodox Church. We're talking about something totally different, right? In spite of what on the surface might seem like very common ground. Yeah, and, so. and
1: to borrow from Ed Setzer mm. from the conference we were at not oh, long yeah. ago, yeah, yeah, yeah. says. Just when I say not Christian, I don't mean <laughs> a part of a church that believes something that I don't agree with. Yeah. I mean, not Christian. Not Christian. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, and, and, and it's confusing. Mm-hmm. We're coming up on Christmas season, Yep. and the Mormon Tabernacle Choir puts out some outstanding Christmas music. Oh, yeah, they do. That are all the same songs we'll sing at Christmas.
2: Plus a few extras.
1: <laughs> yeah, not always though. No, you're right. No, right? you're right. Yeah. And Mormon temples look like Christian churches. Sure, sure they do. And they they talk and they sound like in their presentation, mm-hmm. very Christian. And and so you'll find Bibles in their churches. There's yeah, there's this continue there's there's a level of masquerading. Oh yeah. For that sure. perpetuates that connection. Which is not a real connection. No, and, and I think I think some Mormons would even want to just be seen as another denomination of Christianity. Oh, for sure, for sure. Um, but but that wouldn't hold. That wouldn't hold to the brand of mm. what Mormonism is. Mm-hmm. Um, that yep. would be a more outside opinion. But today we're not talking about theology. We're talking about history. Yep, and the history is complex and complicated. It is. And it's gonna be hard to <laughs> divorce it from the theology.
2: right. Well, even just trying to find a starting point for Mormonism might be might be difficult to do, I
1: guess. Yeah, so gener- <laughs> by and large, and this is not a surprise to anyone, by and large, I'm the more judicious of the two of us, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, But even I will say the gap, the reason this is difficult to do is because there's a massive gap between the actual history of Mormonism right. and the claimed history of Mormonism. right. So if we're going to do the history of Mormonism, we're going to start in the 1800s. Yeah, we'll start there. <laughs> they would want us to throw back... Thousands, much, thousands much further than that. <laughs> yes. Uh To which we are going to just say, no. Yeah. No. They, they do, if you remember back to the, the episode on Islam, mm. where we said Islam began in 600. Yeah. Yet, they want to make these claims all the way back to Ishmael.
2: Right. They want to retroactively connect themselves to right. this
1: deep, History, Yeah, that is exactly what's going on here again.
2: Yeah. yeah, although in even, I would say, even more fantastical ways than Islam oh, yeah. does. Definitely, <laughs> definitely so.
1: Because even Islam, <laughs> Islam will leave is... this sort of like a gray period of a th- couple thousand years, yeah, right? Where they're just like, we don't know exactly what was going on in that period, but we know that it was all an unbroken lineage.
2: Right. Islam's like historical fiction, whereas Mormonism is... Fantasy. Oh, yeah. (laughs) It's, it's, yeah, Yeah. so we'll, we'll get into that. We'll get into that. But yeah, so it's, yeah, so it, it begins the story. Our story begins, Tim, with Joseph Smith. Joseph Smith is the, is the unequivocal founder of the, the Mormon faith. Um, Like, like a lot of people living in kind of the, the post-colonial, I guess, era in the United States of America was part of a big family. Mm-hmm. He was born in Vermont, one of 11 kids. Um, his dad was a farmer. And, and you know, what kind of occurred at those times was, you know, as, as people, you know, were pursuing opportunities or trying to get out of bad situations, they would kind of move. So they they moved westwards from Vermont to upstate New York uh, when he was still a boy. Actually, not, not too far from where you're going to be seeing Toby Mac. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and what is going on in the early eighteen hundreds uh, in the United States, and and kind of else it spills over elsewhere, is something called the Second Great Awakening, which I think is an important context to remember.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, oh yeah, definitely.
2: Good good things coming out of the Second Great Awakening. Um, very much an emphasis on, you know the the. Personal salvation and personal holiness and a personal relationship with Jesus. Very much that, right? Like, like your, your association with whatever church it might be, Presbyterian, Anglican, whatever, um, you know, through your family heritage is not adequate. You need to repent of your sins and put your faith in Jesus. And and it's a massive movement and extremely successful. Um, People coming to, you know, people kind of raised in a a Christian culture coming to saving faith, but at the same time, there's kind of a a flip side of that
1: coin. Right, yeah. And so the first Great Awakening, the Great Awakening, um, this incredible revival time, Mm -hmm. and out of it not only comes this genuine revival Mm -hmm. uh, that was, was much needed in the culture as all revival is. Mm-hmm. Um, also, what came from it were some names, right? And 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 people not necessarily seeking fame mm-hmm. became known. Mm-hmm. In the second great awakening, there's there's not a lot of gap between the two. No, the second great awakening. I, I don't take this as a dismissal. This is not a dismissal of the mm-hmm. second great awakening. But there is an element. Of trying to sort of force this thing to be, yeah, it was great the first time. We should do that again, yeah. And and the problem with doing this as the church is, you fail to realize we didn't do this the first time, right?
2: You can't really engineer
1: revival, yes, right? And so there does become this aspect of engineering it and pushing it, and who's going to mm. who are going to be the names that come this time? Who's right? Who's the next? blank, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and and so not just Mormonism, but a lot of other things kind of start popping up. You start getting oh, these yeah. sort of little, this little popcorn effect of, of these mm-hmm. really weird and, and wild kind of things, because the two things that are playing out, one is American independence and freedom.
2: Yeah, right? It's, it's that radical individualism, which is... Which is, like, the best and worst thing about America at the same time. Yeah, and, right? so and then
1: at the same time, you have you have these opportunities of everyone, like, wanting to do these sort of spiritual awakening kind of things, where is it going to come from? Mm-hmm. And it just, it was just fertile soil.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, fertile soil for something, something wacky, right? So, Smith grows up being exposed to a variety of different spiritualities, um, you know, these revivalists and, and, uh, and, you know, these eccentric preachers and his family gets connected with these different movements and kind of float around. But, but alongside kind of the, these Christian revivalists, there's, there's what was, what was what would come to be known as religious folk magic. So we're talking about like stuff that is really not Christian being connected Mm-hmm. To Christianity, yep. soothsaying, um, drawing magic circles, uh, communing with angelic beings—stuff that we would say, okay, that's not that—that's essentially witchcraft. Right. Uh, but it was kind of dressed up in this pseudo-Christian way. And again, this was popular. At yeah, the time. witchcraft
1: and voodoo. Uh, yeah, but
2: mixed with Jesus, it's yeah.
1: Yeah, uh, superstition. Um, all of these kinds of things sort of blurred in and and common enough in in what we I, I think we see it more commonly uh, or we'd like to believe that we see it more commonly mm-hmm. in in cultures where you have Catholicism mixed with local voodoos and stuff like that yeah like
2: in Mexico you have a lot of that kind of stuff yeah right? yeah, yeah.
1: And, and and this is just, um, an Anglo version right. of that, yeah, right?
2: Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so Smith, uh, when he's a teenager, Smith claims to have had a vision uh, where God the Father and Jesus both appear to him, telling him, you know, uh, a number of things. Of course, that he is special um, and that, you know, he's going to do great things. And also that all of these other churches, all the denominations, all these other churches that exist in America at the time are all false, they're all wrong, and he is going to be the one who is going to, to bring truth back
1: Yeah, after it being suppressed for so long. Yeah, and, and interestingly enough, at the same time, Ellen White has the similar... <laughs> Who would have thought? Right, and the Seventh Day Adventists were born, and and then just a few decades later, Charles Tass Russell um, has a similar message from God. Yeah, um, all of these people are just yeah. the chosen one, and we'll we'll talk about those later. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So that's just that's just sorry, that's just how fertile the soil is. Yeah,
2: yeah, no, for sure. This is part of a trend, right? Um, so yeah, so a few years later, he gets visited from an angel. Uh, who identifies himself as Moroni, who told him uh, that there's a place, which is just like the fact that it's got moron in the word. I just, I,
1: I sorry, I'm trying not to chuckle, but it's there. Uh, I, I, I was laughing at myself. I was just thinking this is the golden age of the American cult. Oh yeah, for sure. right? For sure. This is it, right?
2: Uh, everyone thinks it was the 1960s. It's like, nah, it was like the 1820s and 30s. Yeah. Um, so he tells him that there's a place where he could find this this book that's essentially made up of a bunch of golden plates and other ancient artifacts um, that he could find in a hillside um, near his hometown, just so happens near his hometown in Western New York. Mm-hmm. Don't you know that the, you know, the the ancient scriptures are just outside of Buffalo. Who would have right. thought? Yeah. Who would have thought? What a wonderful place. Um, yeah. And
1: so interestingly enough, you have, um, you have one person. Mm-hmm. Who is being told everything before you was corrupted. Mm -hmm. I'm going to use you and you alone to straighten out Judeo-Christian theology Mm -hmm. in a new religion. Mm -hmm. I'm going to secretly give you the message for you to pass along. Mm -hmm. This is Muhammad.
2: Yeah, this is Islam all over
1: again. Yeah, it's the exact same pattern. At least to this point. Yeah. You can you can take that summary, and you can overlap them. Oh,
2: yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm going to say something controversial here. Oh. It's almost like Satan has a bit of an MO. Mm. I'm going to throw that out there. Anyways, moving on. Uh, Joseph Smith tried, according to his own account, tried to retrieve these plates multiple times, but the angel kept stopping him, just being like, nope, no, you're not allowed, you're not allowed, you're not allowed. But eventually... Eventually, he got permission. And in the meantime, it, it, so very interesting, Joseph Smith worked as uh, in a profession as something called a treasure seeker. So what, tre- <laughs> what treasure seekers do is they claim to be able to find lost things supernaturally. Right. Um, he was actually, at one point, he was criminally charged for conducting this kind of business because it was uh, illegal because it wasn't real. It was a hoax. In fact, now... I don't know, so Joseph Smith wasn't particularly charged with this crime, but what was often associated with this treasure seeker uh, profession was these people were also thieves. Yeah, So right. they, would, they would steal things and then, and then hide them and then uh, charge people to find them. You didn't even know that your ring was missing yet, <laughs> did you? Yeah, that's how good I am. That's yeah. how good I am. Anyways, um, so eventually he's allowed to get these plates, but he's told that he's not allowed to show them to anyone else don't mm-hmm. don't show these are just for you just you Joseph Smith um but he should he should translate them and he should write down their meaning so that's that's his task um he was he was he claimed that it was written uh by these ancient indigenous americans well who were really of middle eastern origin uh who wrote in a language called reformed egyptian
1: Yep. uh yeah i mean yeah egyptology <laughs> had has not been It's very early and it's right. very early. Yeah. It's so, but Egypt is like it is sort of like the trending thing. People yep. are people are super all around the world, people are super excited about Egyptian things, mm-hmm. just the concept of Egypt. Mm-hmm. Um but the Rosetta Stone and capacities to actually read hieroglyphic, all of this was stuff was very mysterious. Yep. Um but very trendy at the time. Oh yeah. Uh and and Maybe it seems weird to believe that global trends existed before TikTok. Um <laughs> but it's true. Oh yeah, for sure. And and this was very much on trend for the day, right? Like, mm-hmm. ooh, Egyptian. That's mm-hmm. that's exciting, mm-hmm. right? Um yeah. but yeah, reformed Egyptian on gold plate. One of the things that really stands out inside of this story is you talked about Satan's MO, but God also uses method. Right. That is consistent and repeated through Scripture, not because he's chained to it, but because he does it to make it identifiable. Right. And um, nothing in this story adds up. Right. Like, the numbers of people that he eventually shows this to, it's it's not seven, it's not 12, (laughs) it's not 40, it's not three. Like, it's... Well, Nothing adds up that it was golden tablets right? guarded by an angel. Right. Like, none of these things are biblical in their theme, Yeah, right? So yeah. It, it's not even like he did a little bit of research and tried to reconstruct a plausible story, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. It starts off as gold tablets, but it's not always gold tablets. Right, yeah. You want to get into that? Well,
2: yeah. The other thing I think worth noting is that so—, so he claims that to have discovered in along with these gold plates, the Urim and Thumim. Thummim, mm-hmm. Urim and Thummim. I don't know how to pronounce it properly. Anyways, these are essentially like, essentially like dice. Like they're, 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 they're means of that were used to kind of for the high priest of ancient Israel to like discern the will of God. There, there's some, there's a lack of clarity on what exactly they were, but, um, Joseph Smith claims to have found these, and these assisted him in his translation work, right? So he's kind of drawing in, and he has this seer stone. The stone is—he looks—you know, the stone helps him translate it. But But it it has to be in a hat. It has to be in a hat so that no one can see it.
1: Right, and he has to stick his face in the hat. Yeah,
2: and just, like, dictate it to his buddy— Right. Writes it down. Which
1: is very kind of voodoo, right? Like where they throw out the bones. Oh, yeah. The chicken bones and then read the bones and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But
2: considering that his family and himself were essentially involved in witchcraft prior to this, like it's not really all that surprising. It's just kind of. Again, it's dressing it up as something mm-hmm. that's it's more more legit it. than it yeah. is. Yeah. So you, yeah. Sorry you. You wanted to transition into like the stuff that's not on the golden plates.
1: Yeah. Just, just other the, revelation. Yeah. The the concept of the the seeing stones. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And and that he he brings in this friend, mm-hmm. and he's like, I'm just going to bury my face in this hat, and I'm just going to start dictating mm-hmm. to you everything, and you're just going to write it down, mm-hmm. and then just thinking like, this again is Muhammad. Mm-hmm. Right, the Quran starts as like a presentation from an angel
0: mm-hmm. in a and cave,
1: then, and then it becomes dictating to his uncle, right? Who writes it all down? Who writes it all down? Yep. There's just so much parallel yep. in this, and, and and it's not as if like he got his hands on the history of Islam and is redoing this. Like he's right. this is history. He's this is playing out, yeah. right? And yeah. and the parallels are really fascinating. Yeah
2: yeah because yeah, chances are he probably knew very little about Islam right. at this time, right. right? yeah, and and yet is is kind of yeah imitating the same kind of the, the same kind of way of building a following. And so again, like we mentioned that like he's using these allegedly using these devices to translate this unknown form of Egyptian hieroglyphics. Um, essentially, the original manuscript of what was written uh, is taken away. Uh, was lost. And so he's punished and the plates are removed. Uh, but then the plates are then returned to him. I mean, you're like, okay, why did he lose these plates for a while? I'm, you know, your imagination kind of run wild. He resumes his work. He gets a new scribe um, and they finish the work in 1829. Um, and he's... Exp- so here's the irony. He's explicitly told, don't show these plates to anybody. But then he ends up showing them to people. Mm-hmm. He shows them to like three other people and then eight people Uh, who are mostly just like his relatives, uh, who signed the statement that they, they had seen the plates. And so Mormons will often lean. In fact, if you have a book of Mormon, which I happen to do right here, um, which is actually signed with a little note, um, by a Mormon elder who I was friends with for a while. Okay. Um, anyways, it's which is very yeah very interesting. It'll actually begin with the, the testimony of these people who signed, who signed these um, uh, sorry who who signed these letters saying that they had in fact witnessed it. But there's some like like that's a fu- look at that. That's a fun imagery right there. Right. Yeah. Jesus yeah, at yeah. the
1: top of a of an Incan temple. Yeah, it, it's interesting to me that if 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 I had something present. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Marshall, I want to show you this thing.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Why would I even have the notion of, and I want you to sign an affidavit mm-hmm. saying that you saw it. Right. right. So that people know that this thing is legitimate. <laughs> right. Wouldn't you just be like, you mean that thing right on the table? <laughs> of course I see it. Why would I, why would we need a, a council to sign right. that thing? Right. Right? Just <laughs> yeah. show it to them. It's a little sketchy. <laughs> right. To, to have done that from the start. Right. It right. would be different if like right. 50 years later, they were like, hey, you know what? We were all there. Yeah. We want to testify to it. Yeah. But to, can, to, to do that at the start is... Can you
2: imagine if you, like, you found like Paul's original copy, like, the original copy of his letter to the Romans, for example, and you're like, look, here's the thing, though. Uh, God told me that I can't show it to anybody. So what we're gonna do instead is I'm gonna show it to like my best friends, mm-hmm. and they're gonna like tweet like that the, they for sure saw it, and but nobody else is allowed to see
1: it. Right. Like, like what? And then like, we'll bury it again.
2: Like that. Yeah. <laughs> Somewhere in Western New York. Yeah. Uh, which is you know it's it's I also find interesting as we'll see in this in this history like the amount of places uh just kind of in the United States of America that just so happened to be these like very vital places in world history. Like who would have thought, right? Yeah. Um, Yeah. So like, so anyways, this book of Mormon is published in 1830. They, they form officially as a church. Um, It's not initially well received. Oh no. Uh, People in the area like resort to mob violence. Um, And I'm not like, I don't want to condone, I'm not condoning violence here, but like, it's understandable. Like actual Christians were outraged at what Joseph Smith was peddling here.
0: Right.
1: Um well, and any like when it, if a, if a compound for a cult was formed in your neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You'd you'd be like how do we get rid of this thing? Yeah, for sure. Right? And and we're talking like frontier living. Oh, it, yeah. It's not like, you know, I'm going to contact my can call the cops. My MP. There's no and cops, the police, right? <laughs> right, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, so so again, not that what they did was mm-hmm. biblically or morally justifiable. Mm-hmm. It just is what it is, right? Yeah. People were just mm-hmm. took it into their own hands to to get rid of this thing. Yeah.
2: And and what as this movement grows, it obviously is attracting kind of the most eccentric out there personalities who are all, oh, surprise, surprise, having dreams and visions of new revelations that they want to add to what Joseph Smith has received. So then he he had to. He had to then give a new revelation to say, "No, I'm actually I'm the only true prophet and apostle, and the only one who could receive and deliver scripture." So, um, shut up about your dreams, please. Uh, so essentially, because because movements like that are going to attract a certain type of person. He's like, "Yeah, no, 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 no. We're not doing that. I'm I'm the
1: guy." Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, my dream. My dream was that your dreams are no good. Yeah.
2: Exactly. And, and these people, these people who surrounded around him, they, they believed that his preaching and teaching was going to usher in the millennial kingdom, which again is also like a common theme um, within a lot of these cult movements mm-hmm. in the 1800s and even yeah, beyond that like, this is the thing, like this, this movement is going to usher in the kingdom, right? And so that's why we have to be so serious about this because the success of this particular movement. Like the, the the fate of the world rests on the success of this movement, um, Smith Smith pronounced that Jackson County, Missouri, was in fact the New Jerusalem, and also um, the location of the Garden of Eden. So it all turns out that it all started out of Eve in Missouri. We th- we thought it was somewhere in the Middle East. Nope, nope, nope. Yeah, nope. I mean, <laughs> I mean, it's
1: easy for. For me to just be like Missouri, but I mean, everywhere is someone's backyard. I'm sure it's nice. Missouri's a nice place. I'm
2: sure it's nice. I'm you know I'm sure I'm sure I'd love to go travel there and see what uh, see what Joseph Smith was talking about.
1: You know those people are sick of that. <laughs> I'm sure they are. Probably <laughs> like there there might be one guy who's still trying to sell some trinkets and make a little tourism dollars off of it, but the, the rest Garden of
2: Eden. them. The Garden of Eden, let's go. Uh, yeah, so they build their first temple in a town called Kirtland. Um, but yeah, the people of Jackson County, Missouri were sick of it back then too, as mm-hmm. it turns out. Okay. Lots of conflicts, like lots of conflicts. Um, all of these kind of things go like center around this dedication of this temple that they build. Even the fact that they refer to it as a temple should set off alarm bells, right? Temples, like... Again, the, the New Testament is explicit in what the temple is in the New Covenant, and it's not a physical
1: building. Uh, Let's just pause here for a moment. Okay. This happens a lot, mm-hmm. where, where modern groups, even today, out, outside of Mormonism, raise up these Old Testament positions of prophet, and temples, and priest, and all this kind of stuff, um, it it shows a lack of understanding of what the Old Testament is, and what the New Testament is, mm-hmm. what the offices of the Church are. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not a preference. Um, yes, apostle means the one sent, in a very common way, mm-hmm. but Christ also means the one anointed, and... Um, you could say that all of the kings were anointed by God and those kinds of things, right? There, there is an understanding that although that, those words might have been common and might have been used, uh, they were also used in degrees, and the people of the time didn't call missionaries apostles. They understood the, the significance of those words and where they were assigned and where offices would close along the way. Um, so, as we say, this should be a red flag, mm-hmm. um, it continues to be a red flag.
2: Yeah, yeah, I think that's
1: that's a good way to summarize it.
2: Yeah, so after building this first temple, um, they end up getting evicted anyways <laughs> uh, through mob violence. End up uh, moving—again, there's kind of a, a bit of a westward movement. Uh, they're in Illinois. They found the city of Nauvoo. Um, while they're there, Joseph Smith— he starts kind of piling on mm-hmm. some of these doctrines after the fact some of the ones that we're like most um that we most associate with the Mormon church so like baptism for the dead so you could be baptized for your dead uncle who didn't come to the mormon faith um so baptism of the dead and then polygamy not just being okay but encouraged right um I mean, it was already kind of being practiced, but like it was just kind of made written in written into law. Um, Joseph Smith tries to run for president, uh, or he announces that he's going to, anyways. I don't think he had much of a successful campaign, Uh, but yeah. And oh, then he starts. We we find these teachings of like again. We'll get more into this in the theology episode, but like that people can become gods themselves. Mm -hmm. Like things are really spiraling here. Um, I mean, as the movement grows, his authority grows and his ability to just kind of say whatever he wants, um, just builds and builds and builds. Um, yeah, he, he, he orders the destruction of a newspaper company that was critical of his views. So there was, there was a newspaper company that was kind of printing about some of the stuff he was saying and critiquing it, obviously. So he orders it destroyed for that. He is arrested for his crimes, um, while he's in jail, a mob breaks in and shoots him, and he's killed. Which, just a side note, um, killing cult leaders doesn't work. No. Because you just turn him into a martyr. Right. Right? Like, all you've done is, is elevated the story of Joseph Smith that was, you know, brutally murdered by the infidels, just like the Lord
1: Jesus Christ. Right, right? and running them out of town does the same thing, too. Yeah. Right? See how they were willing to suffer for truth.
2: Right, exactly. Right. So that's, like again but at the time in the heat of the moment that's what happened so so they they start again they move westward they have what they would even refer to in their own history as an exodus westward um and they end up in the area of what is now Utah which is is the that's the mormon homeland
1: yeah still predominantly yeah. mormon yeah
2: um and the state is formed um uh, by Brigham Young who was a follower of of Joseph Smith and his ultimately appointed governor. Um, there's Brigham Young University, BYU, mm-hmm. right? They're still, they got a half-decent football team. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so it's, they're... That, we don't need to talk about that. Okay, sorry. A little too close We to could home. have
1: talked about it last year. I don't want to talk about it this
2: year. <laughs> <laughs> um, and and what, what Brigham Young ends up doing, and here, here's another thing we see. We see a combination of both um, secular authority and religious authority in the form of one person. Mm-hmm. So when you have that, right? like the kings were not the same as the prophets. Right. The only one who right. or the high priest, the only person who combines those roles of prophet, priest and King are Jesus Christ himself. Mm-hmm. Those roles were separated even in ancient Israel, which was a theocratic society. There, was, there were separations of responsibilities. But what what happens in with guys like Brigham Young and Joseph Smith before him is you have prophet, priest and King all in one.
1: Yeah, the Maccabees play with this a little bit in the intertestamental period. Yeah, they do. Period. You're right, actually, they do. Uh, so one of the one of the things when you when you read the scripture, it might be strange to you in the New Testament that you see most of the discussion is about the Pharisees. Mm-hmm. That's the most populous group. Yeah, the masses were the Pharisees, mm-hmm. uh, but the party, the religious party in charge, mm-hmm. who held the most power, were the Sadducees. Mm-hmm even though they weren't the majority. And the reason is, in the Maccabean era, that intertestamental period, there were some agreements made. Mm-hmm. Like the king, the Maccabees, can't also be high priest. That, right. That's not biblical, <laughs> right. right? And the Pharisees, for, for all the Pharisees got wrong, one thing mm-hmm. they got right was mm-hmm. the authority of Scripture, mm-hmm. right? The Sadducees were like, wouldn't bother me, and all of a sudden boom you're the you're in charge then right very mm-hmm. sort of like church of england mm-hmm. kind of a thing
2: yeah i mean like a modern day analogy for that situation today would be like if the, the majority of the people were like fundamentalist legalist right like that would be like the masses but then the people running the show would be like yeah liberal Anglicans or the United Church of Canada, right. kind of running the show, right? Because the Sadducees also didn't believe in miracles, or and they just kind of like caved to whatever the secular authority wanted. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, but not so in Utah. No, what what they have is this kind of this theocracy of of its own, which ends up becoming a state uh, in the United States in 1896, um, and you know, kind of continues to kind of grow in in lem- legitimacy just through sheer force of like numbers and resources, right? Um, a yeah. force to be reckoned with.
1: They are a very resource-heavy group. Oh yeah, wildly yeah. wealthy.
2: Yes, yes, um, and and have spread internationally and I mean, look
1: out for their own.
2: Yeah, oh for sure, oh for sure, right? Like they've they've got a system, they've got a very well-oiled machine of of a you know bureaucratic system that that fuels what they're doing around the world, and it is it has become a, an international movement. So since you know you know. Obviously, very large in uh, in the United States. Obviously, we have them here in Canada, but even you know, post World War II, a significant movement in in uh, in Europe, right? Like they've they have temples in these major cities, right? Mm-hmm. In yep. Paris and
1: Rome right. and Munich and all these different. They were, places. they were in Buenos Aires when I was there. They were okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: yeah. So, um, yeah, and so then you know, and and we we've seen. There's a bit of I think like even, even more more modern in more modern instances, there's there's a bit of a I think a PR campaign for the Mormons. Like I see a lot of their stuff. Right. Yeah, I see a lot right. of their material come across. Um, you know, whether it's social media or when I'm doing like Google searches and stuff, to kind of present themselves as you know, we're we're Christians. We just, you know, we just we have our distinctions and, and
1: really these these make us even better then yeah. right but like and they w- they hit on they hit on sort of like common uh easily amenable topics family values everything is family yeah family and, values. and in some instances family and country right sure yeah yeah and and to be honest right there's to the to the exclusion of their theology I've talked to a number of Mormon missionaries. Unfortunately, Mormon missionaries are always, like, the youngest of the crop and, and yeah. the most poorly trained. Yeah. Um, yeah. But their their knowledge of their own texts mm-hmm. is really poor. Mm-hmm. Um, knowledge of their own history is really poor. Uh, but where they're going to press really heavily is just family, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? Fa- be Be a good family member, be a good citizen— you, that can't be wrong, can it? Mm-hmm. Um, and you say, well, no, but there's more, mm-hmm. right? Um, mm-hmm. So, th- I, man, there's there's a real chance in the 20th century Christianity was flirting with those things. Right. Right? Theology, doctrine, mm-hmm. we don't want to get too deep into that. All of that stuff's divisive. Mm-hmm. Let's just agree on a couple of good moral Common grounds, yeah, and and call those things the most important thing. Mm-hmm. And I've Christians will still today say things like, "Well, yeah, but God understands if I put my theology aside for family because family mm-hmm. matters most." Mm-hmm. And and to be frank, the answer to that is no. Mm-hmm. Jesus Himself says no when confronted with that same thing, mm-hmm. right? Yep. Um, my who are my mother and who are my brothers. But those who are, you know, here, mm-hmm. listening, obeying the word of God. Um, mm. and so I think I think that stronghold that has taken Mormonism, that card that they've played to, to sort of keep themselves going in 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 a common light, mm-hmm. make themselves approachable, mm-hmm. I think there's a good chance evangelical churches and especially Baptist evangelicals. In the 20th century, could have gone that way.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah, and it's interesting. Like the other thing to note too, like that which happened, kind of largely in the later 19th and into the 20th century, is there were a series of divisions amongst the the Mormons. So there are there are a variety of types of quote unquote Mormons or Latter Day Saints. So, for example, the central drop off location in Stratford for our shoe boxes is the community of Christ. Mm-hmm. Community of Christ is a new name, uh, that came about, you know, after 2001 for the, uh, ref- or what is it, what are they called? The reorganized church of Jesus Christ, the Latter-day Saints. Um, and it's weird. Like when we're there, right, we're dropping off shoe boxes, yeah. right? right? For an organization that, that does proclaim the gospel, the gospel as we would preach it, not as they would preach it. Right. Um, But yeah, so and you've got in their church because they've kind of taken a certain tack when it comes to um, kind of social norms. You've got books of Mormons, books of Mormon, and pride flags in the same lobby, right? And it's just like yeah. So anyway, so so also keep in mind that like this this movement, while you will see kind of the the kind of the that trademark building that exists in every town of any kind of size. their, the, the influence of this movement is broader than that. Um, yeah, one of the things that was mentioned while we were at this church is that uh, the vast majority of their people are um, like 80 years old plus. Hmm. And it you know, this might sound terrible, but there was a, knowing knowing where, where this was coming from and what this supposed community of Christ actually teaches. there was a part of me that just kind of went good
1: yeah it's not gonna it's not gonna be a thing that that runs much longer I don't think no. they don't have it doesn't have the legs to run it yeah uh so that's that's the actual history that's yeah that's where that's where we are yeah so yeah. let's talk about <laughs> let's talk about the history as they would put it forward right um because it's it's very different and it, and it helps explain some of the why North America. Right. Why is everything based here? Right. Right? Yeah. Because um, that it, needs to be answered. <laughs> yeah. And and, and I, the introduction that I, I just want to put forward in this mm-hmm. is there was a period when people spent a lot of time discrediting the Bible mm-hmm. based on historical record, mm-hmm. right? Where people were saying... These ancient civilizations yeah. could never have existed without some historical record.
2: Right. The Assyrians are made up. The numbers that you're putting <laughs> forward,
1: that they ruled the entire known world, yeah. all of this stuff is nonsense because there's no historical record. Right. We start playing in the sandbox, and we're like, oh, look. We found Nineveh. We, <laughs> right. Like Literally, they found Nineveh. <laughs> right. And, and so... Historical research mm-hmm. has only ever given credit mm-hmm. to the biblical story. Right. The most dangerous thing that ever could have happened to the Judeo-Christian faiths was the discovery of the Dead Sea Scrolls. Yeah. That was—even even as a convinced believer, had that happened today— mm. There's a part of you that would have been holding your breath right sure sure and all they did were like oh, it's exciting because it's old yeah it's not that exciting because it's just what we've already had
2: yeah yeah this version of Isaiah that's a thousand years older than the version we had before is the same book right
1: and <laughs> and so like, so okay. all of those things all of those things just build credit right the more. And and that's the way truth should go. Mm-hmm. The more you dig into truth, the more you chase after it in, in honest, legitimate learning, so that's what you're going to find. Right? And, and I know that sometimes Christians are scared of, like, academics and Christians getting into science and all that kind of stuff, because yeah. they're like, well, what if you just keep studying and keep studying and you end up losing your faith over it? Well, then what you're pursuing isn't true.
2: Right. right. But if
1: you're if you're continuing to study Mm -hmm. and and seek honestly, then Mm -hmm. then what is true will be what we find.
2: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think yeah, that's that's totally true. And we've talked about this before. I think there we also just do have to like recognize the kind of the
1: anti Christian bias that exists within But that's why I gave it the disclaimer of honest, true research. For sure. Right. And and so when we lay out this history, these histories um, are not recorded in the same way biblical history is, where it's journalism.
0: Right, right.
1: Right? Mm-hmm. These are the revelations that are presented right, through the, the different writings that we were talking about from Joseph Smith. Mm-hmm. So they're m- way, way after the fact. Right. And the Brigham Young... Uh, and other universities and, and scholars who are Mormon are doing research to try to backfill through archaeology these histories mm-hmm. with nothing to show for it. Yeah, A, Not like, oh, he was talking about this people group here, although that event didn't actually take place. We're talking like the civilizations... <laughs> Just don't exist, right? Right, and never have, and the events aren't recorded, right? So mm-hmm. that's that's why there was a difference between historical fiction, which is taking historical events, historical people groups, and mm-hmm. actual places, mm-hmm. and applying to them a, a story within the story. Mm-hmm. So if you're watching a World War II movie. And there's a side story of a soldier who falls in love with a nurse and all that kind of stuff. That's historical fiction. Mm-hmm. Actual events, time and place. Maybe Gary didn't actually fall in love with Susan at this time. That's the fictional right. insertion. Um, but fantasy is creating mm-hmm. people groups and mm-hmm. events and places. Mm-hmm. And uh pulling all of that together. Yeah. So that's that's the distinction that you were making there at the yeah. beginning.
2: Yeah, like essentially it's it's world built. It's building a world for your stories to take place in. Rather yeah. than just playing with the historical narrative to make it more compelling. Mm-hmm. And and that's essentially what, what happens. And so the the kind of the 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 I'll call it the, the false historical timeline that's presented in the Book of Mormon. And we talked about this a little bit in our, our church history um, series that we did last year. But it, it goes as far back as as the Tower of Babel. So there's a, there's a part of the Book of Mormon that deals with this guy, Jared. And if, if you've studied the genealogies, Jared is a name that pops up in the Book of Genesis. Jared leads his people to the sea and sails to the Americas in eight barges. This is Again, this is tower at the time of the Tower of Babel, essentially. Um, populates the continent. They're given prophets by God, but they rebel, slaughter each other in a civil war. Um, one of the, their prophets is a guy by the name of Ether who wrote his people's history down on some of those golden plates that were hidden and then discovered later, um, allegedly. Uh, the real kind of narrative that's presented in the Book of Mormon starts around the time of the Babylonian exile. When there were essentially Jews who were said to have traveled to the Americas from Israel. Mm-hmm. Here's a thing that people need to understand about the Hebrew nations. They were not a seafaring people by any stretch. Like at all. Um in fact the sea represented was was the ultimate representation of chaos and death right in the mind of the hebrews they did not sail the seas yeah and, they and, didn't do
1: it and and not just the hebrews but the whole region yeah like it, it wouldn't have just been like the jewish view right right the, <laughs> right. the notion that leviathan would be chaos rising from right. the sea yeah. is is something that uh was being passed around the ancient Near East mm-hmm. um, before Abraham even arrives. Yeah, right.
2: Yeah, and so like, like even like when when like when Jonah flees because he doesn't want to go to Nineveh, like he goes down to Joppa, which is in modern day Israel. But that wasn't even like the Israel's were not seafaring people. He had to get Gentiles to sail him across the Mediterranean because the Hebrews were not doing mm-hmm. it. Um, so, anyways, so. So, but allegedly, these people they travel, they travel to, um, to the Americas by boat.
1: Yeah, I, I just want to say this: there's an interesting sort of reboot,
0: mm. right? Yes,
1: because this is the story, sort of circa 600 BC, mm-hmm. right? But that wasn't far enough back, right? So this is the story. If you're reading chronologically, right, the Revelations. Um, that are given to Joseph Smith. This is the first one you come to, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden you find out no, there was this other right. before right. which was inconsequential. Yeah. We not we didn't talk about that, but um, <laughs> but yeah, it happened and then it died off and then this one came along, right?
2: Yeah, yeah. so essentially the the main group of these these Israelites or Jews who who came to the Americas, uh, were led by a man who was actually considered to be a, which the book of Mormon teaches was a prophet, a contemporary of Jeremiah named Lehi. And, and it was his family that initially traveled and he's got two sons, Nephi and Laman. And, you know, after the good prophet dies, the people are kind of split into Mm -hmm. two factions between the, the Nephites and the Lamanites. Um, There's also this random side story about another group of people who were descended from Zedekiah, who was the last king of Judah, who also the Mulek, his son. It's very convoluted. Um, But anyways, mainly the story centers around these Nephites and Lamanites who fought each other. The Nephites are essentially good. They're the good ones. Um, The Lamanites are the bad ones uh, who turn from God, who oppress the Nephites, The Nephites kind of flee and try to you know exist further and then try to come back and and preach to the lamanites uh, the Lamanites are cursed for their wickedness with dark skin um, mm-hmm. according to the Book of Mormon so Mormons believe that Native Americans are are the genetic descendants of Israelites who Israelite colonists who were cursed for their rejection of God um, which is pretty intense mm-hmm. and good luck finding the genetic connection between right <laughs> between yeah. the the Jews and the South American but see, indigenous a, South American
1: people. That's that's a thing, right? So one of the the big struggle in in the way that they're wanting to to validate their revelations today mm-hmm. is it's not only archaeology which is against them. Mm-hmm. Right? Uh, or the native Americans who have their own Ancient histories recorded, right, right by themselves. Uh, you're you're running into things like, oh, well, now we can do genetic testing, right? We right. can we can take some DNA samples right. and right. we can figure out, you know, where your people were were coming from, mm-hmm. and it's not it's not playing out in their favor, yeah. And um, the the other, this is not a new thing. So at one point, Joseph Smith buys from a peddler some Egyptian stuff mm-hmm. and he opens it up it's all these hierogly legitimately Egyptian stuff mm-hmm. you know plundered and, and sure. sold and and he borrows a lot of money from a lot of other people I to, bet, to but, buy these things and does. and he he <sighs> takes them mm-hmm. and translates them by the by the power of the Holy Spirit <laughs> to be the story of Joseph. Okay. Like the another story of Joseph that wasn't told in the Bible but yeah. but is significant to to his theology. Right. Um but the problem is like 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 we said before, this is the dawning of Egyptology. Right. And the discovery of the Rosetta Stone follows within like just a it, it's actually sort of like taking place at the same time, yep. but that information hasn't made its way to the Americas. Yep. And as he's saying, I've translated this, people are coming across the boat with some really wild news that they've they, learned how to translate hieroglyphics, and they're like, not at all. That's like, not nothing what it says. That <laughs> the physical thing exists, and they're like, has nothing to do with anything... Remotely close and to so Joseph. The, yeah, so the modern interpretation is, even if Joseph Smith said, this is what is on here what he means is the Holy Spirit used this to reveal to him a truth, even if that's not what's written. Right? So when he says this is what it says," what he means is, this is what the Holy Spirit revealed to me through this, right. Um,
2: <laughs> like I could, Like I could somehow like learn advanced mathematics by reading a Chinese restaurant menu. But like yeah. just like yeah, through yeah, yeah, the power yeah. of the Holy Spirit though. Right. Right. Like it just doesn't make any sense.
1: Yeah. And so so these kinds of stumbling blocks mm-hmm. um there are there are PhDs mm-hmm. working really hard yeah. to validate yeah. these historical claims and yeah. really coming up against walls historically, linguistically, mm-hmm. um, and scientifically.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And there's I mean, Ancestry.com is owned by Mormons. Yep. And and because they're trying to gather, and I mean I sent I sent some spit to them because I, I love genealogy and I was like, whatever. But they're trying to make they're trying to find a connection. Trying to find that, that DNA connection. Um, yeah. and it and, has
1: thus far eluded them. And being doing the whole baptism for the dead, mm-hmm. you can also pray them in. Right. Right? Pray on their behalf. And so it became very early on the obligation. Mm. of the Mormons to figure out who their actual ancestors were mm. and there's a lot of controversy I bet over um, praying in like very publicly helping to pray in people who are of other faith groups mm. um, including a list of Holocaust survivors that made their way onto some lists at one point and raised a huge storm of uh, why are you why are you trying to pray these Jews into your Mormon kingdom, yeah. Um, but that's that's been a thing that they've had to deal with. Is that have been some huge PR pushback mm-hmm. on their their love for ancestry. Mm-hmm. Um, in the end, they've created a, an incredible historical record mm-hmm. on that whole ancestral line thing that is really valid and useful to oh, the yeah, world
2: for sure. Um,
1: but so- but in their for their means. It, at least started more religiously. Yeah,
2: for sure, for sure. Yeah, I mean, and and here, so let, we'll just finish up the the timeline. So essentially, you have these Nephites and the Lamanites. Um, you know, in in typical kind of <laughs> early eighteen hundreds fashion, right? The ones who are good are the ones with white skin. It's like, oh, surprise, surprise, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it would have been more believable if the, if it was reversed, but obviously, this is you know, it's being. It, Joseph Smith's revelations are being impacted, obviously impacted by the culture in which he's living. Yeah. Like, without question. Right. Um, anyways, but they believe that uh, ultimately, after Jesus' birth, life, death, resurrection in um, in Israel, he travels to the Americas to preach to the Nephites. Um, right.
1: And he says he's ascending to heaven. Yeah. But he, on his way— yeah. he takes a hard left. I
2: I was watching I was watching a thing a uh, video and it said after Jesus ascended he descended to visit the nephites
1: in the americas. Like I was which would like, be a second coming?
2: Uh so it's already happened. Yeah. Boom, full preterism right there. Um so no, so like so essentially according according to the book of Mormon, Jesus comes, he does some miracles, he teaches, um he's not crucified like he doesn't die and race isn't raised from the dead again but this kind of his arrival mm-hmm. results in an extended period of peace and harmony for like over 300 years uh but eventually um eventually there's another war and the Lamanites, the evil bad Lamanites, wipe out the good nephites one of the prophets um Mormon, who had been recording all these stories of the people on, of course, golden plates, because I guess that was just like their version of paper at that time, uh, gives them to his son, who flees northwards and buries them all in the side of a hill in western New York. Um, Mm -hmm. And according to the Book of Mormon, that happened around the year 421, and it is, let me do the math here, 1400 years later, thereabouts that Joseph Smith just so happens to find them yeah, in the side of
1: a hill. Yeah, a couple of things that I've... A couple of things that are interesting, right? Like, one, and just sort of a petty thing, mm-hmm. as the Americas are being discovered and uh, colonized, gold is found everywhere, mm-hmm. except for the region where everyone is using gold as their paper, <laughs> right? Um, the Aztecs, the Incas all South America yeah. or Mexico, right? I mean, maybe uh, that's where the Lamanites lived. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Who knows? Well, no one. No one, because it's not real. For a good reason. <laughs> right. um, and so so that's a, a bit of a, an issue. The reason they're called the Latter-day Saints is this is the whole like raised up and moved over and meeting with them, a second group of saints. They really, really dig deep. Deep into the whole, other sheep will hear my voice, mm-hmm. and this is that other sheep group, mm-hmm. um, in in what they're they're going to teach. Um, obviously, like you said, uh, shaped, colored by Anglo Christianity, mm-hmm. because Renaissance Christianity starts painting Jesus. And the apostles as Europeans yeah. and not Palestinians, <laughs> right? And so, well, Palestinian those from Palestine, M- yeah, Middle Eastern right, Middle or whatever, Eastern, right? Yeah. So the the skin color of Jesus and the apostles would have been more in line, you know, with uh, the Native Americans. Uh, at least in probably more yeah. of an olive tone than yeah. a red tone, but still darker in tone.
2: <laughs> it didn't look like he was from Sweden, probably. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and so there are just
1: <laughs> there are all of these things that are so stacked against mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, that even historically, like it it just doesn't stand a chance mm-hmm. from from these perspectives alone. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the One of the questions I've asked in the past is, why why bury the truth of God Mm -hmm. for all of this time Mm -hmm. and have Joseph Smith discover it? Mm. What about the thousand plus years Mm -hmm. where the truth of God was lost Mm. and corrupted why would God allow his truth to be corrupted and lost mm. for such a significant amount of time? And the response that I got was, this is called the age of apostasy, mm-hmm. the period between the apostles and the coming of Joseph Smith. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the reason is, God was waiting for people to be receptive of his truth before he could send a prophet, um, which is... Exactly the opposite of how God uses prophets right. in the Old Testament. He <laughs> right. doesn't send them to a receptive people. Yeah, that's right. right. That's Jesus that's says over and over again, you killed every prophet that I've sent to you. Right. The point of the prophets was not the people are ready to hear from God. Mm-hmm. The point of, was God is ready to talk to you, mm-hmm. and you need to smarten up. Yep. That's my favorite Canadianism. You need to smarten up.
2: Is that a Canadianism?
1: I I'd never heard it before. Interesting. Um, but anyway, yeah, so so that's their interpretation on why there's this massive historical discrepancy and this mm. gap in the timeline. Mm-hmm. Um, but it again, like I said, with like the numbers and and that sort of thing, none of it just sort of fits into the pattern of how God has worked through scripture. Yeah. The greatest defense, it's the exact same defense that Muhammad used. Mm-hmm. Well, that's because the Scripture was corrupted, right? and this is the way it's supposed to be. Yeah,
2: and newer is better. They've got that, that they kind of copy Islam in that regard, too. Like,
1: mm-hmm. this is
2: the last, this is another revelation. Yeah. And to ignore this supplemental thing, you know, it would be to your detriment.
1: Yeah, and, and to, to really make one last stamp on this following Mormonism kind of a thing, when you say the newer is better, like Mormonism. Mm-hmm. We talk mostly about the Book of Mormon. Mm-hmm. It's not the last of the revelations. Yep. More. It's not even the strongest of the revelations. Mm-hmm. Um, as with the Quran, the, there's doctrine in Mormonism that says that the deeper you go chronologically, the more value that teaching has. Right. Right. So if the things later contradict the prior things, mm. take the latter thing. Right, because newer is better. Yeah, right, and that's that's also a a similarity. It's it's yeah. crazy. Yeah, it, yeah, it actually is. <laughs> All right. Well, well, if if you think the history's crazy, just wait till we get to the theology. All right. Well, thanks for listening. This podcast is a resource of Memorial Baptist Church in Stratford, Ontario, in cooperation with the Gospel Coalition of Canada. is produced by Alex Walker. See you next time.